On today's hot sheet, I'm discussing housing inventory and Jerome Powell's interview on 60 Minutes. Today is Monday, February the 5th, 2024. I am Byron Lazine, and the hot sheet starts now. Good morning, and let me know in the live chat which market you are tuning in from as we kick off this first full week in February. I saw a Gary V post on Instagram over the weekend, and it said 2024 is 8% over. Just think about that. We are now uh, into this second month, and I'm happy to be kicking it off with all of you, just like I'm going to be happy to do a major kickoff, maybe the first ever kickoff in virtual real estate we've ever seen on Wednesday when we host the BAM Pro Bowl. That's Wednesday, this Wednesday, just three days away, less than three days away now, from 12 to 3 p.m. Eastern. You can grab your seat for absolutely free. It's the Super Bowl of real estate knowledge. Only gear up for this rest of this first quarter, but this will gear you up for the rest of the year with an all-star lineup like Sirhan, Dingra, Childers, Pantana, Gary Gold, Danielle Garofalo, Marie Lee, Jimmy Mackin, myself, Eric, the broke agent, Luca from Actually Agents uh, will be helping coordinate this event and MC it. Amanda Bradford doing the national anthem. Uh, just for some topics here, Sirhan's going to be talking branding. Uh, David Childers is going to be talking about the market. So you get a different angle from maybe what we discuss here on the hot sheet every single day. Jason Pantana on AI, Gary Gold, and Danielle Garofalo on Luxury, Jimmy Mackin on Scripps, Murray Lee on content and Instagram production. This is going to be a star-studded event. You do not want to miss it. Uh, we have some pretty unique features that you've never seen in a virtual real estate event, like a halftime show and a post-game show, a post-event analysis. I will be doing the analysis. I'm not afraid to say what I like and what I didn't like, even though, of course, this is a BAM event. Grab your seat. Uh, there's a link down below, and it's absolutely free. Of course, to get the most out of everything that we do at BAM, use code HOT to get 10% off of BAMX. So many of you, almost 1,700 and counting, are in BAMX. We relieve our monthly courses. Uh, just like this month, we released our Hot Sheets full show note course all of our live streams, the community, and then all of the show notes and downloads from this show each and every single day. As we do every single Monday, let's jump into inventory, and then we will pick apart Jerome Powell's 60-minute appearance. Jerome Powell getting more famous than just on the hot sheet. Let's take a look at uh, our inventory update as we do every single Monday with the information released weekly from Altos research okay so taking a look at last week weekly inventory change from jan 19 to 26 inventory fell again so now two weeks in a row we've seen inventory drop uh, from 503,000 plus to 497,000 plus it's typical this time of year to see inventory dropping as we start to get into those early innings of the spring market of course we were we were hoping for inventory to, to defy all odds and continue to rise throughout this spring market because we know that that would stabilize prices make make home ownership more affordable for more at least that was my hope uh, but we did see a drop in line with uh, what we would typically see 
uh, but smaller than what we saw last year. Last year, we saw 466,000 in the same week, dropped down to 457,000. So almost a 10,000 active inventory drop same week last year compared to about a 6,000 drop this year. So the drop this year was less than last year and our overall number, okay, year over year mark, 497,000 active uh, listings is much better, much healthier than the 457,000. Of course, if we go to 2019, which is a market I like to reference as much more normal than the one we are operating in now, you see that we are about 231,000 active inventory from where we were in 2019 to, to where we are today. 2019 number was 731,000 plus during the same, I'm sorry, that's 2020. Let's go, uh, let's go to 2019. 2019 is going to be even higher. Of course, 2019 up over 800,000 at 800 and 800, uh, just over 800,000 or so there on 2019 here. Uh, if you're following along on YouTube and you can see the visual chart, you can see the difference between today, 503,000 and last year here. And last year had the same little um, January kind of flattening before declining in February and March. You see here, ours is just higher along the chart, but you have almost like a rounding or a flattening of the um, of the line graph here on inventory, kind of this little bump here. And then you really saw it uh, in February and March continue to de decline. Last year, the bottom was 413,000 on March 10th. And then we bottomed out again on April the 14th at 406,000. That was, I guess, the true bottom there before you start to see inventory increase uh, throughout the rest of the year. So how low will inventory go this spring? is the question uh while we sit here at some of the lowest levels of inventory uh we need we don't we don't want it to go as deep as it did last year of course uh nowhere near how how well how far it went in 2022 when the bottom was 240,000 2021 the bottom was low 300s uh certainly don't want to reach that if we can stay up above 400 this year as it drops down into the spring that would be in line with last year, anything over that uh, is going to be a good sign for prices and for home shoppers that are shopping this spring market. Let's take a look at new listings. New listings is, uh, of course, something that can drive inventory. And new listing data for the last week was 44,167. That beats last year at 40,700 plus. It beats 2022 at 40,300 plus. So we're seeing more sellers come into the market right now uh, than we have at any point in the last two years. This is a, or, or at the same point rather in the last two years, it's a really good uh, sign for inventory moving forward. Okay. It might mean that the bottom is behind us. Now, next week in 2022, we saw a big jump. We, we went up to 47,000 and we'll see if, um, if that actually, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, last week in 2022, we saw 47,000. So, and then it dropped down to 40,000. So we haven't seen a spike like that 
yet, but we have remained well above every data point for 2023 on new listings so far this year. Each and every single week, we've had more new listings in the same week last year. Um, next week, February 11th for 2023, you saw you saw basically what we had this week. So we'll see what happens here going into next week. If we can continue to beat 2023 numbers, we would need 45,000 to be just above. You know, if we want to beat it by 4,000 like we did this week, we need about 48,000 new listings, which would be the highest point in in February since February 18th of 2022 when we saw 48,840. So looking to to tie February 2022 mark on new listings to beat next week's inventory by 4,000 when you look at the year over year numbers. Price cuts uh, are dropping. They continue to drop. Okay, really week over week, we've seen this trend. Uh, since we peaked out in November of 2023, coming off of 8% rates in October, obviously, um, we've seen this drop uh, each and every single week. Last week, down to 30.6%. Same week last year was 33%. Same week in 22 was 19.2%. So uh, new listings are better positioned than they were last year. Mortgage rate, obviously, we have a lot to talk about that. I'll get to that here. At the end of the show, uh, we're in danger here today of potentially seeing a seven handle. So uh, I'll get into more of that later on in the show. But now is the time we've all been waiting for. I, I, I didn't even know Jerome Powell was going to be on 60 Minutes. I had some people last last night texting it to me. Um a number of people actually, hey, Jerome Powell's in 60 Minutes. Are you watching this? I'm like, I'm already laying in bed. That tells you how early I go to bed. Uh, but I did catch up on all of it this morning. We pulled the entire full transcript and we broke out each and every single uh, segment when he was asked about housing that's available for BAMX members in the show notes. Of course, we have all the inventory show notes here for today, uh, but every single question and answer and links uh, and timestamps of when you can watch some of these. You can't watch all of them. Some of them in the full transcript didn't make video, uh, but this is a lengthy transcript. We're going to break it all down. Um, and we pulled in the show notes just when he references housing, the housing market, both commercial, residential, as well as a global uh, question and answer on housing. So uh, we've got all of that available for you in the show notes. BAMX. If you're not in BAMX yet, use code HOT to get 10% off of that. All right. Let's start with uh let's start with the commercial. We're going to start with his commercial question and answer, uh, commercial real estate question and answer. Then we're going to cover the residential. Then then I'll just mention what he said about the global real estate market. Uh, this this commercial question and answer made the video. So it made the actual 15, 10-minute segment. Um, that was on the 60 minute broadcast on C CBS because they go through a big interview with them and then they cut down what they want uh, for CBS. Um, and we'll go to that here in just uh, just a minute. I do want to I do want to um, I took a couple notes down of things that I, I think are interesting for we talk about Jerome Powell, you know, every single month here and every 45 days, every six weeks or so when they do their FOMC meeting, obviously we're covering next. We want to see when they're going to start cutting rates. Um, 
that that's something that can impact obviously the 10 year and the 30 year fix, which is what we care about. Uh, interestingly, and we won't cover this in the question and answer, but he was asked um, about how much of an influence politics have on their decision making. And, uh, you know, it was stated that, hey, a lot of people believe there are political influences on these decisions. Now, Powell's 71 years old. Okay. He was, he had a financial uh, background before he got into the uh, Federal Reserve position. Obama appointed him. Uh, tr Trump made him chairman. Okay. So Trump basically gave him a, um, you know, a promotion. He was, he, he was appointed by Obama as part of the FOMC. Uh, Trump made him chairman and Biden retained him. So this is his third uh, president that he's operating under. Uh, obviously, you've got both sides that have um, either retained or promoted or appointed. So, so you've got both sides. So when he was asked about politics making, um, you know, having an influence on their decisions, he said, we do not consider politics. Never do, never will. He was followed up on that answer. Hey, a lot of people just aren't going to buy that. And he pointed towards integrity. In he, he almost made the statement like, hey, a lot of people don't have integrity here in D.C., but I'm keeping mine and this FOMC committee is keeping theirs. He he said that answer with, I will say, he said that answer with confidence. Um, whether, whether you believe him or not, uh, oh, you know, the guy who, promoted him the last president just said he would fire him whatever that's worth if he got back in but he was the one that promoted him to be chairman uh saying he's being too political um he, here's how politics can influence the economy in, in the biggest way okay it's it's the five trillion dollars that the u.s printed from the start of uh, the pandemic, not budget, just printing five trillion dollars. Now, the last two point one trillion was that infrastructure bill, which many say just pushed inflation into another universe. Okay, that two point one trillion came, if you remember, when it seemed like COVID was kind of under control, whether you want to call it over or not. Um, but it was certainly under control. This was. Um, during the, the current presidential term now that we printed that $2.1 trillion. Elizabeth Warren, there, there's a clip of her. We talked about her last week with the letter. Her and I want the same thing. We want rates to start coming down. Um, but she probably had more of an influence on inflation, uh, her and her counterparts rather, by pushing that last $2.1 trillion through, which she was in support of, um, than maybe Jerome Powell does in his words. You know, she she had said, if you don't start cutting rates, she wanted to print the two point one trillion and start cutting rates. At the same time, she said, if you don't start cutting rates, you're going to drive the economy off the cliff. Well, Jerome Powell has kind of got to do a victory lap for folks that said you're going to drive the economy off the cliff. Economy was very strong in 2023. GDP numbers were beat expectations at every quarter, at every angle, on every. Uh, expectation you could have possibly imagined. The economy added 5 million jobs um, over the last uh, couple of years. So um, 
that that's his answer on he's not taking politics into consideration and um he, he's got the job which is stabilize pricing make pricing feel like it felt for 20 years before covid where it's not a big decision you know uh the the prices that people are um confronted with on their everyday spending and maximize employment that again is their mandate let's go to the question about commercial buildings and the possibility of a banking crisis the possibility of an 08 like scenario in our economy uh let's go to the first uh question here from the 60 uh minute segment on commercial office buildings the value of commercial office buildings all across the country is dropping as people work from home those buildings support the balance sheets of banks all across the country what is the likelihood of another real estate led banking crisis i don't think i don't think that's likely we looked at the larger banks balance sheets and it appears to be a manageable problem there's some smaller and regional banks that have concentrated exposures in these areas that are challenged and you know we're working with them you believe it's a manageable problem i think it we're not going to be. see bank failures across the country as we did in 2008. i don't i don't think there's much risk of a repeat of 2008. certainly there will be some banks that have to be closed or or merged out of, out of existence because of this that'll be smaller banks i suspect for the most part just last year there was a panic at the 16th largest bank a Federal Reserve report blamed bank mismanagement, but also inadequate supervision by the Fed itself. You seem confident in the banks, and yet the Silicon Valley Bank, second largest failure in U.S. history. Did the Fed miss that? So, yes, we uh, we did, and we forthrightly kind of squeezed uh, that answer out of them. Saw that we needed to do better, so we've spent a lot of time working on ways to make supervision more effective and also to 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 adapt regulation to a more to a modern context in which a bank run can happen so much faster than it could have even 20 years ago another right. economic hangover there, there you go um he goes in to talk about how social media and the, the speed in which information is traveling right now can basically exacerbate these runs on the bank um, and, and so they, they've made changes in supervision. He goes on to say, make it more effective, new proposals on the regulatory side. Um, and they want to learn from the lessons to get this right. It was interesting that he kind of blatantly said, yeah, we missed it. Um, he also, you know, to his credit in the 60 minutes, you know, said that, um, you know, he was wrong when he mentioned that inflation was transitory and that they probably should have reacted sooner you know, if you remember, if you go back, Powell was actually, he was a, a proponent of printing that last 2.1 trillion. He said, you're not going to have another chance because once we start cutting, or I'm sorry, once we start increasing rates and stop the money printing machine, he, he said to politicians, you're not going to have another chance to go and print money. So they, they slapped a $2.1 trillion infrastructure bill together. They pushed that through. And um, that was something that really, because Powell believed inflation was transitory. So he missed that and he missed the Silicon Valley bank. Those are two big, um, 
those are two big issues. Okay. That, that have really hurt. I, I can't say the economy because the economy is kind of ripping, but, but have, has hurt our position and certainly hurt our debt. Okay. Um, debt in this country, uh, obviously all time high. It's always an all time high, but in 30 years, debt's projected to be $144 trillion. That would be in 30 years, that would be 1 million per household. So everybody that's in their working years right now is going to come a time in their life when debt reaches a million dollars per household. That time will come before, um, before many of us hang it up for, uh, for life. So we're borrowing from future generations, right? If you have kids in grade school right now, uh, or if you have grandchildren in, in grade school right now, what we're doing is borrowing from them. Maybe even be borrowing from generations that aren't even here yet. Um, so, so I think he's admitted those mistakes um, essentially with waiting too long to increase rates. He, I would have asked him about the $2.1 trillion that he supported. He would have probably pushed it back. So, well, that, that's a Congress decision. I, I didn't make that decision. He supported that decision. Um, he also uh, obviously ha has said that they missed on the banking crisis. Now, going to the, the comments on the commercial banks, um, specifically for commercial office buildings, uh, he doesn't think uh, a, a likelihood of another real estate-led banking crisis is likely. Um, it certainly wouldn't come from residential. We've covered that enough on the hot sheet. We, we can get into that deeper on another video if people are so questionable about that. It would come from this commercial banking uh, issue. If you you're going to hear this a lot as they talk about commercial banking, commercial office buildings. If you mark to market the assets on a lot of these regional banks, you're going to have a balance sheet that's much lower than what it is showing today. If you mark to market, if you mark office buildings to true market value, not to the value that they have on their asset sheet based on a past value or based on the amount of debt they've lent out on the property, um, you would have a much different scenario and you'd have a lot of banks in trouble. Um, some of the questions, when the way they cut that up, and this is why we've got the full transcript in the show notes for you, uh, like, you know, they, they don't give this full answer that you're seeing here on your screen. They kind of cut around it a little bit to make it better for, for TV. It's why we're giving you the full transcript in the show notes. Um, he, he said that they've looked at larger banks balance sheets and it appears to be a manageable problem, but he goes on to say there are some smaller banks that have concentrated exposures. Think about the um, local regional banks in your market that might be really made up of mostly um, commercial assets. Now, I would argue if it's a smaller suburban area, some of those downtown commercial buildings are going to be fine, those little walkable communities. Uh, but, but if it's a mid-sized city and you have regional banks or regional banks inside of some of the bigger cities that are holding all commercial assets, that's where you could have some serious issue with those banks. Uh, he goes on to say they're working with them. It's something that we've been aware of, you know, for a long time. And we're working with them to make sure they have the resources and a plan to work their way through the expected losses. There will be, he says, expected losses. There are losses coming for these banks. Um, now, the lenders, 
the banks, the regional banks, and the property owners are going to be the ones that lose. And the, the result will be losses for owners and the lenders. Okay, so commercial office building owners and lenders are going to take losses. But he doesn't think of much of a repeat of 2008. 2008 was, it, I mean, the 60 minutes, the way they do this is, you know, for the for that person sitting on their couch, maybe in their last 10 years of work, or maybe they're retired and they're trying to figure out like who to vote for in November. That's who these shows are made for. So it's not really, uh, you know, the press conferences that we cover every six weeks from Jerome Powell for the financial markets are, are a little bit better, obviously, than this. Um, you know, I would have pressed him on why would you even compare this to 2008? 2008 was residential loans. Um, just it, when you listen to his answer, he says it with confidence. And, and so um, I think he kind of is like, there's no chance of 2008. But when you read this, he, he leaves himself a couple of outs there, which is concerning. Um, he goes, we need to be careful about making proclamations, particularly about the future. Things have surprised us a lot, but no, you know, on this, I don't think it's, I think it's a management problem. We're doing a lot to manage it. So he is recognizing that there is a big problem on commercial um, office buildings. Okay. It's, there's not a big problem. And I wish he would have went as far to say that we do not have a problem on residential mortgages. We do not have a problem with uh, the residential housing market and the way we've lent money. It's 10 times harder to get capital for residential mortgage than it was in uh, the lead up to the great financial crisis and that banking crisis. And, uh, and I wish he went as far to explain that because a lot of people get this confused that don't know, that don't know how to uh, really kind of pick between the two. All right. So now let's go to um, the full transcript on the question he was asked about residential housing. This didn't make the, the broadcast, surprisingly. I, I tell you, the media, the politicians really don't care about residential housing, even though it's almost a fifth of GDP here. I've spoken to many young couples recently who have said they can't imagine how they could afford a mortgage today. What would you say to them? Uh, and so he goes back to, he, he just doesn't care, okay? He, 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 he doesn't care if they rent. Listen, I said this last week. Jerome Powell doesn't care if you're renting or owning a home because he goes back first line when he asked about young couples who said they can't imagine how they'd afford a mortgage. Well, Congress has given us a job of providing maximum employment and price stability. Price stability means go rent if you can't afford buying a house. That's his mandate from Congress. And that means when inflation comes, when inflation really threatens to become persistent, we use our tools to bring down inflation. He starts talking. He doesn't even acknowledge young folks not being able to uh, partake in home ownership. It's very important that for young couple, and particularly younger couples, starting out that they um, do not have great financial means, that we succeed in the battle to inflation, not succeed in making sure more folks get home ownership for long-term financial stability, for long-term savings, for long-term retirement. Doesn't care about long-term cares about financial stability right now, controlling prices now and uh, maximizing employment. Doesn't hit, Jerome Powell's mandate is nothing to do with home ownership. And so we will um, in interest. Uh, so we will do so, but that means that interest sensitive spending like mortgages and buying, you know, 
durable goods, things like that, that's going to be expensive for a while. Okay. Um, that's going to slow the economy down, but this is all part of getting back to a place of price stability when interest rates can be low again on a sustainable basis. Remember that they're trying to get that federal interest rate down to 2%, inflation down to 2%. But he also said in this interview, and this is kind of the first time he said this, that when they start cutting, it won't happen this year, but over time, they want to get the federal interest rate down to two, which means, I don't know, maybe three years out, you could see 30-year fix back to where they were in the low fours when we were at a 2% federal interest rate, which is basically where we were before uh, COVID. Um, and, and so then he's followed up on that. You're asking American people, the American people for patience. Yes, he says. And I think that people have been patient. Uh, and have been uh, through a pretty difficult time. Of course, it, the people that are most price sensitive, the you know the, the folks that are on the lowest toll of the income ladder are feeling everything the most here. Uh, think about that luxury stat we went over last week, like 48% of luxury homes in the fourth quarter were cash purchases. They're not feeling inflation, not feeling the cost of eggs and milk, which he did say in this, by the way, eggs and milk, he's like, those aren't coming down. Um, that that's it's it's interesting price stability has a lot of diff some things will come down uh but he says there are things like that you know you saw gasoline drop um but he says things like eggs and milk just basically that's like the new the new pricing there um uh, i don't want to get too far into that but let's stay on this here so um we're coming through it and starting to feel a little bit better about things. Mortgage rates have come down in anticipation, come down a bit in anticipation of lower rates. So he, he's saying these, these, this from 8% down to the mid six to six and three quarters come down to an anticipation of lower rates. But um, he's also gone on to say that he doesn't expect a rate cut in March. So that tells me there could be some more bumps in the 30 year fix like we saw on Friday. I'll get to that in just a second. Um, to get in, in, uh, particularly housing, uh, is a good example of the kind of things that do slow down when rates go up. Okay. So, uh, housing market is falling. This is according to the, to the 60 minutes Pelly there, the housing market is falling. Well, transactions are falling. Prices are going up. You freaking bozo. Um, hiring is also slowing at the moment. I don't know. January had huge numbers on hiring. I, I don't know who these, some of these people are, but. Um, and I wonder if these are yellow flashing lights for a recession. So we're watching really carefully. And I would say that there's always possibility of recession at any given time, but I wouldn't say that a possibility of recession is at all elevated right now. Uh, just as we finished a year, the economy grew 3.1%. So he's going to point towards that huge economic growth for America in 2023. It's a really healthy rate. The fourth quarter growth rate was actually better than that, better than the 3.1 for the year. And so growth is fine. You're right. Net hiring by business and nonprofits, the number is coming down overall, uh, but it's coming down from a very, very unsustainably high levels. Remember, Powell would rather see job market cool off uh, a bit. It's been gradually coming down and still very, very healthy level. I think 165,000 new jobs per month over the last quarter. That's a very good number for an economy our size. Uh, so labor market's still very healthy. Uh, and that's what we've been seeing covering here. And then the last question on how housing was asked uh, was in regards to China's second largest real estate developer, Evergrande, uh, basically officially now going under. We've seen this coming for a while. Um, he doesn't believe, he says we may feel some effects from this a uh, bit, but they shouldn't be that large for us. Uh, 
Um, he says, we have our economic relations with China, which are important, but they mostly consist of our uh, manufactured products that we buy from China. So our financial system is not deeply intertwined with theirs and a real estate crisis there um, shouldn't impact us. Maybe we feel a few things, but nothing overall. So he doesn't seem worried about the Evergrande uh, real estate crisis happening in China. Uh, what I feel a little concerned about today is this 10-year treasury up at 4.130. Uh, As the 10-year popped on Friday, we went from a 6.63 read on the 30-year to 6.92 on Friday. Uh, if you, I went to Twitter today, or X rather, and Lance Lambert had this staring at us on this new 10-year treasury. We could be flirting with a seven-handle today. So meaning the first time we pop back up over seven on the 30-year fix in quite some time. Um, if we went with Friday's spread between the 10-year and the 30-year, today's 10-year would translate in a Mortgage News Daily daily read of 7.01 later today. So officially over a seven. Now, Friday's spread was a bit higher than we've seen over the past month. So we've been looking for that spread to come and normalize. Friday's was higher than normal. We've been looking for the 30-year fix to come down. I see far too many online telling consumers that we're going to be in the fives very soon on the 30-year fix. That's not happening, guys. I, I, it's why my prediction at the beginning of the year was expect a bumpy road on the 30-year fix. We could be at seven today. It, you know, if you're online telling people that we're going to be in the fives very soon and they're waiting around for that, they're missing opportunities in this market as you see new listings coming onto the market at what I believe, if inventory continues at this pace, I believe today's prices will be lower than the end of spring. So you're costing people money by waiting for 5%. Okay. Uh, if we hit 7% today, seven and something in the fives feel worlds apart right now and if we're if we're not going to get these rate cuts that are from the fomc you know sooner than later if we're not going to get them sooner we're not going to get them in march which is what powell said last week at the press conference what he reiterated on the 60 minutes then yeah we probably are a lot further away from anything in the fives on the 30 year doesn't mean i'm not rooting for it doesn't mean i, I wouldn't love to see it happen uh, i'm just saying the reality is we can't be going out there and telling people that that's coming sooner than later because uh, the data isn't showing us that right now. Hasn't shown it, shown us that in January and so far in February either. All right. Uh, there is your hot sheet. I can't wait for the BAM Pro Bowl on Wednesday. Make sure you get your free seat for that. Of course, we've got two more hot sheets before then. I will see you guys back tomorrow, 930 on the East, 630 on the West. Make sure you subscribe to this channel so you never miss a live hot sheet. And I will see you all tomorrow. Until then, toodaloo.